Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, how many of you guys would agree with me that when it's bedtime, you're exhausted, it's dark, it's cold, there is nothing more incredible than sliding into the space where you sleep, whether that's a bed, a futon, or a couch, or maybe for some of you the floor, underneath and covering, or I'm sorry, covering up with that special blanket that you absolutely love. There's nothing like that in the world, especially when it's a really cold and chilly night and you kind of had those shivers, and then you slide under your favorite uh, blanket and you cover up and, and there's just this warmth that starts to come over your body and, and the shaking of the chill starts to slowly diminish and then it's like, oh. and then all of a sudden there's just this moment where it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm not cold anymore. There's this deep sense of warmth and it's this sigh of relief like, oh, it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night. And you get... Anybody you guys know what I'm talking about? Now, now don't, get too, don't get too excited because you, we got a sermon to get through, so don't, don't start thinking about your blanket and your pillows, all that stuff. But, uh, but I, I think there's also a security of, of being under the covers, isn't there? I remember when I was a little kid, I felt like nothing could penetrate the covers. Like if I was underneath the blanket and I was covered up, like nothing could penetrate it. Now, some of you guys have older siblings, and you found out really quick that that's not a reality. Um, that when you're covered with a blanket, that could mean suffocation or a tackle if you have siblings. So, but, but there's just a sense of security that I think that comes with, with being covered. And then you guys know it kind of this progression of warmth, this progression of security leads us to this moment of deep rest where we find ourselves just like, oh my goodness, this is, this is just amazing. Some of us, we love rest so much that your alarm clock could slap you in the face 10, 13 times. And you're just so warm, so secure, so at rest. You don't want to get out of bed. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? But I think we've also experienced the opposite, haven't we? Where maybe you go camping and you forgot the sleeping bag. Or, or you're, at, you're at a friend's house and, and you get, they, they give you like the cold sheet. Anybody, anybody ever experienced that? And so all night you're freezing and it's like you can't get warm and you're doing your best. So you are just freezing. There's no warmth. There's no comfort. Or, or maybe you go to a family member's house. Maybe you go to a friend's house. You spend the night. And they give you that mini blanket. <laughs> Come on. Anybody ever experienced a mini blanket where your little toesies hang out? You're like, man, this blanket would be great for a doll, but I'm a grown man. <laughs> and how many guys know if your toes are out, there's no security? There's absolutely no security. Even since I was a little kid, it just feels like something's going to grab the toes. Now, I know that I know some of you here, you guys are like bears. You're like, give me a slab of concrete and a sweatshirt and I'm good. The good news for you is nobody wants to grab your toes. Nothing wants to grab those toes. But for all of us civilized people that like to have our toes covered, those mini blankets are the worst. And then you try to cover up and, and, you, and you curl in a ball because you don't want your toes to come out. But that position doesn't last very long. You're tucked away and it lasts for maybe, you know, a good solid 10 minutes and you toss and turn. And all night you're cold, you're not secure, and you get no rest. How many of you guys, that was your last night? Now, now for Jackie and I, we, we've never been really good with bed sets. Like everything's not matching. Um, all of our pillowcases aren't 
you know, all particularly arrayed. And it's not because we just don't like it. It's we've discovered this thing called a duvet. Now, I, I don't know if, if you guys know what a duvet is. Don't feel bad. I didn't know what a duvet was until I got married. <laughs> but it's, this, it's this, this fluffy blanket that's stuffed with either feathers or cotton. And as it rests on the top of you, it feels like a cloud. It just does. It feels like a cloud that just kind of warms you up, brings a sense of security. Well, Jackie and I, speaking of our cloud, had a tragic moment the other day. So we're in the laundry room, and Jackie proceeds to pull out our duvet from the washer, only to discover that it was the biggest hole I've ever seen in my life. Let me show you a picture. That, that was a nightmare. Now, you can see the mess in the back. Just want you guys to know we're human. That's why I left it in there. So, hey, we, we have messes at our, our house, too. And, uh, <laughs> and so Jackie's hiding behind that cover. And, and instantly I thought, that's it. Tonight, no warmth, no security, no rest, because I'm going to have to use the spare blanket. Which spare blankets, this is first world problems, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is first world problems. But spare blankets, you, you got to understand, these things are not godly. And they never, they, never, they never warm right. They're never comfortable. So I was really kind of distraught. But then the next moment was a really incredible moment because God spoke to me. Now, you might ask, God speaks to you in the laundry room? He's in the business of cleansing people. It's a perfect spot for God to speak, right? <laughs> and so on, on a serious note, I really sense the Lord speak to me that there's some areas or, or there's a particular area in your life that the devil would love to put a hole in. And so, so as I was processing that and, and kind of letting it sink in, the area that God revealed to me was an area that is probably going to be pretty miraculous as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. It's probably going to be pretty miraculous because it, it's, going to be, it's going to be a little bit scarce. And it's not miraculous like you may know, like fire coming down from heaven or maybe miraculous uh, healings or signs and wonders. All of those are great, and we contend for all those things around here. But, but this particular area is one that we probably wouldn't think so much to guard, um, but, but it's so incredibly important. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, and it's, it's this area of love. It's this area of love. Satan will love to put a hole in your blanket of love. And as I, was, as I was musing on it, I thought of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus said, actually, in the last days, go there with me. It says, um, and because lawlessness will increase in the end times of the last days, that the love of many will grow cold. What's really interesting is this whole idea of growing cold in the original language, it, it, it kind of comes across as a toxic breeze or wind that comes through and cools down that which is hot. So as I'm in this deep, you know, moment, God is revealing all this, I couldn't help but to think about Elsa. Elsa, um, now, now before, before you judge me, I have three little girls. And so when I'm sermon prepping, uh, a lot of times what comes to my mind is not these, you know, awesome, incredible pictures. It was frozen. And... And this is a picture of, of Elsa's sister, Anna. And I love the, 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 the scene in this particular movie where Anna is trying to get Elsa to come home. 
And Elsa's like, I'm broke, I'm messed up, I just, I'm cold, it's, it's just not a, good, it's not a good season. And she's like, no, come on, Elsa, you got to come home for, uh, for the first time in forever, right? She starts singing, for the first time in forever. And, and Elsa can't handle it, and so she goes into like this whirlwind and lets out this huge ice wind that flows right into the heart of Anna. And I was like, I knew Frozen was prophetic, right? I knew Frozen was godly. That was a joke, but y'all missed it. Um, and and, and her, heart, her heart was frozen. And it continued to grow colder and colder over a period of time. And I thought, how ironic that in the last days, as wickedness and as lawlessness increases, it's going to begin to draw and entice people away from the warmth, the love, of God, the one who is the author of love, into a very cold atmosphere of sin and selfishness. And, and you might be asking, like, what in the world does that look like? A heart growing cold. Well, there's one man in the Bible, and maybe this is your first time to church, and you've never heard of some of these people. There's this one man in the Bible, his, his name was Paul, and he knew exactly how it felt to ha have a cold heart. In fact, he um, had such a cold heart that uh, his bent in life was to wipe Christianity off the face of the planet. Like he wanted to persecute, kill, throw uh, Christians in prison until he encountered the love of God and his heart completely changed. But Paul gives us some great insight into what Jesus was talking about, that the love of many will grow cold in the last days. And, and this is what Paul said it would look like. Paul said, man, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. Look what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says this, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. How many parents said I knew we were in the last days? <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutals, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And so it's as if to say that Paul and Jesus were asking us to lean in to this reality. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to jot this down. This reality that when love is misplaced, it creates a cold place. That when love is misplaced, it creates a cold place. Now, now when we look at a passage like that, it's overwhelming, a lot of selfishness, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and holy, mockers of God, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Right away, we kind of go to the extreme sometimes. We think of that belligerent guy or girl that's just really out there and kind of crazy and wild and, and, or, or maybe really selfish, and it's, it's just really evident. And in the last days, can I just tell you, as we're waiting on Christ's return, it's going to continue to get more and more wicked, and it's going to be more and more in your face. I don't think I have to tell you that. I mean, just there's things on TV now that they would have not even dared to play 15 years ago. And so there is going to be a lot that's going to be in your face. However, Jesus said that the love of many will grow cold. Remember, it's like this breeze that comes through, and it's a cooling process. Over a period of time, that as wickedness is increasing, as disasters are unfolding, that little by little, it becomes so overwhelming 
It becomes so intense, but we become so used to it that we become desensitized, and it becomes hard to even feel anymore. Let me show you a picture of my Instagram. This is a couple of posts that I, I posted over the last couple of months. This doesn't include Puerto Rico. It doesn't include Mexico. It doesn't include Florida or the islands or a lot of other things that are happening. But here's just a couple of them. And, and praying for Houston, right, hurricane relief. And then love and praying for you, Vegas. Atlas fires. We got you guys lifted up. Now, as a pastor, I, I see on social media all the time that so many of these posts were just being posted everywhere. But what was interesting with the Atlas fires, there wasn't that many people posting. And it's a world record-breaking fire. Devastation, SOS, California, state of emergency. But I thought, I wonder if people are already, though, just, just in this short period of time, just starting to get weary. It's like, man, here, here we go again. And, and so I, I've been looking at this and looking at that, and this is happening here, and this is happening there. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I just kind of my observation that it's very easy to get desensitized because you're dealing with so much pain. As wickedness is increasing, it's going to be all around, and we're going to either be enticed by it, there's potential to be numb by it, or, or we're going to look completely different. Now, now I started to think um, in light of that, it's going to be really hard to see pain. It's just going to be hard to see pain. And, and, and there's going to be the sense where it's going to be very easy to grow numb. Just like I said, it's just we see it all the time. We just kind of become desensitized and we get a little bit numb on the inside. But I think it's also going to be hard to see brokenness in people, compassion, right? Because as lawlessness increases, everybody's losing their mind in more ways than one. It's like, who can I trust? I want to put my family in that situation. So you just kind of huddle with your little tribe and your little family and just, I'm going to protect and I'm just going to huddle and, and fail to see the brokenness that's around us that God has called us to engage. I, I think it's going to be hard to see purpose. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, so far, 5,500 homes burnt to the ground. Like, where do you even begin with that? I think it's going to be hard to see purpose because people are going to be asking the question, like, what's the use? I mean... Houston, Vegas, I mean, how, what can I even do? It's going to feel so overwhelming. But here's the good news. The good news is that Peter and Jesus and Paul are, are, are letting us know that, hey, listen up. Um, this, is, this is going to be the trajectory of the world. It's going to get more and more cold, but that's not to be the trajectory of your heart as followers of Jesus. That there's something completely different for us. That, listen, as the world is growing colder, we're getting hotter. We're getting warmer. All of a sudden, our light is shining brighter. And so, so Peter does a brilliant job of this. He says, listen, you want to know how you live in, in the end times? It's not by hiding in a cave. It's not by, you know, running scared like, it's coming. He's coming. Peter said, no, it's nothing like that. Don't worry about what you shouldn't do. Let me tell you what you should do. Don't worry about, you know, you're afraid of this or afraid of that. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you what you should do. And we looked at this first part last week, but I want to look with you again in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter said, the end of all things is near. Peter was saying, listen, Jesus is coming back soon. And if Peter felt that way then, 2,000 years plus, we should probably have a little bit of urgency in our soul. Would you guys agree? He says, therefore, be alert or self-control. And we said last week that, it's really important that as we approach 
these last days and as, as we're waiting for Christ's return, we should be some of the most self-controlled, sound, non-crazy people. Because we know what's going on. Like there's a stability to us. Not, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming. Like, oh no. Like, no, we should be, number one, we should be pumped up, but we should be so focused on mission because, like, as a follower of Christ, I'm solid. But there's a lot of broken people around us that need Jesus. And so, so there should be such a stability and a control about our life that I think even the world's gonna look at, like, how are you doing this? How are you so stable when everything is so chaotic? Well, since you asked. Um, <clears throat> and then he says to be sober of mind so that you can pray. In other words, Peter's saying, listen, it's going to get cold. So you're going to have to stay really close to the Lord so that you can keep burning, so you can stay hot, so you can stay warm, so you can stay, uh, uh, your, so that your flame will continue to, to thrive and to flourish. You, you got, you're going to have to stay close because it's going to get cold. And then he says this, but above all, Peter's basically saying lean into this, lean into this moment. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. Now, some of you guys, you, you, you might be asking, man, well, what does that even mean? Well, let me tell you, first of all, this is that you can see why Satan would love to put a hole in your blanket of love. He would love to put a hole in your blanket of love. Why? I'm going to tell you why. But let me tell you how he's going to put that hole. He would love to keep you in a place of unforgiveness. He would love to keep you in a place of, of offense. Love to keep you arrogant, proud, and self-centered, self-seeking. He'd love for you to reside in that place. He'd love for you to gossip and tear people down. He'd love for you to cause and create division in your home and in your family. He'd love for you to be fueled with anger. He would love for you to be confused. He would love for you to be stuck in a place of bitterness and resentment. Anything. You say, why in the world would he fight so hard and want to put a hole in my blanket of love? Why would he do this? I'm going to tell you why. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to jot this down. Is because he knows that when hearts get cold, we're called to cover. We're called to cover. That when hearts get cold with sin, you and I are called to cover with love. And that's one calling he does not want you to step into. He does not want you to step into that calling. He'd much rather have you called. Now, some of you might be asking, well, I don't even know what love is. What are you talking about? Like feelings or like what, what does love even mean? Well, in Jesus' day, in the Greek language, the word love had four meanings to it. How confusing is that? Like, which love are you talking about, Mom? Four meanings of love. And I want to break these down for you. So that you can understand what we're talking about. The first one was phileo. And phileo or phileo is like a friendship, kind of camaraderie type of a love. Like we're boys. We grew up together. We do life together. Small group kind of love, right? We're in it together. If you're not in a small group, you should get in a small group. And then, and then there's eros. Eros is uh, it's that, hey, girl. <laughs> it's that kind of love. 
It's, it's that, that romance, that, that sexual type of love that, that would happen between husband and wife or man and woman. And then there's this love called storge. Everybody say storge. Look at your neighbor and say storge. It's just fun to say, isn't it? Storge, no one really talks about storge. Storge is this love that grows by a natural attachment, that grows over a period of time. And so it's kind of like siblings. Well, you're my brother. We grew up together. I guess I love you. Or maybe you had, maybe you had that blankie. Anybody have a blankie? Come on. You're like dragging it around all day. And you became so attached to that thing because you were constantly just around it. It, was, it became a part of you, something that you, became, you, you, grow, you grew to love and to treasure. But, but, but that's not, these aren't the loves that Peter's talking about, and these aren't the loves that Jesus is talking about in, in this case. They're talking about the cornerstone of love. They're talking about the big boy love. And this love is called agape. Agape. And what's so incredible is agape kind of serves as the cornerstone of these other three loves because if agape is intact, it's going to impact storge, eros, and philea like you would never believe. But agape is this God love. It's a supernatural love that only comes from God. It's an unconditional. It's the way God describes himself. uh, You know, God is love. He is agape. His love is unconditional. It's uncontainable. It's unrelenting. It's always pursuing. It does not need any reciprocation in order to to deliver more of it. It's amazing that there's nothing you could do to make God love you anymore, and there's really nothing you could do to make him love you any less. That is the truth. And in agape, it's it's this love that, that seems just so, it seems unfathomable. And a lot of us wrestle with this love, don't we? Because we live in such a life of performance. But to think that God can really love me unconditionally, like we know that in concept, but it's really hard to have that digested into our soul and live out of and live from that place. Many of us are living trying to earn God's favor when in all reality, as a follower of Jesus, uh, you should be living from his favor and love. It totally changes the motivation. And so, so agape is... is is this love that, that both Jesus and Peter are talking about that the enemy would love to grow cold. And so, so, so how in the world then does agape love cover a multitude of sins? Well, if we're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. As agape covers with sacrifice, not sentiment. Meaning agape love does not need any feelings to move. It's not like, oh, you know, I really don't feel like loving you today. Or, or you, know, you know how it works. I, I, just, I just feel so in love with you today. And then, like, the next day, it's like, I don't even feel any love for you, right? <laughs> and it's just so up and down, not with agape. It's not moved by sentiment. It's moved by sacrifice. This isn't going to be on the screen, but let me read to you Peter's words one more time. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Now, this word deeply, it, it means earnestly. But in the original language, it comes from this idea of an athlete working out and having their muscles stretched to the fullest. That every muscle in their body is strained as they're exuding 
um, and executing whatever task that they're called to. It's this, this, this love that stretches. I mean, if you imagine a bungee cord just kind of stretched out, just, it just it goes the distance. Now, some of you guys are like, I like to do this kind of love. What kind of love is that? Right? Um, man, you guys are a little bit slow. You're going to catch some of these in the car. You're going to be like, oh, man, I get it. I get it. Um, but it's a love that stretches. What, what Peter is saying is this. Peter is saying to love agape is going to require that every spiritual muscle in your body is working out. All the time. Because how many guys know you already feel like there's some people that stretch you a little bit. And Peter is saying, but it's going to have to endure under insult, under injury, under offense. And only agape can go the distance in that place. I was at a conference not too long ago and the pastor that was speaking he had this opportunity to go and revitalize a Bible college that was kind of going under financially. And so he went to his team and his executive pastor, and he said, hey, you know, this opportunity has come our way, and, um, but I'm going to have to be out of state, and I'm going to have to be there during the week. I'll fly back and preach, and, um, and I'm going to need you guys to hold down the fort. How do you guys feel about it? Everybody gave thumbs up. They high-fived. So he's working on this Bible college for a couple of years and, uh, and his executive pastor decides that he wants to plant a church, but he doesn't tell his senior pastor. He just starts talking to a lot of the people in the church, the businessmen and women and leaders, and he starts gathering his church from this church, kind of undercover incognito. So the pastor comes back and he said, hey, uh, just want you to know that uh, I'm going to be planting a church. Plant a church? Yeah, and I'm taking all these people with me. How many of you guys know in that moment for a pastor? It's like, cool, if you wanted to do that, why don't you just tell me? Like, we're about releasing people. We want, we, we want to expand the kingdom. Like, we would love to help, but that's not how it was played out. And you know in that moment it felt like betrayal. It felt like, man, I trusted you. Like, man, how could you do this? It's already like kind of in a, in a tight spot. Like, what in the world? I... And so you could imagine how he must have felt. But I love it because in this moment he stretched to the fullest. And he has to make a decision. Every spiritual muscle in his body, everything inside of him wants to punch him in the face. Now, how many of you guys know, Pastor Chris, if you get any ideas, I might not, I'm, it might not play out too well for you. Um, I might not be as nice. Uh, but, but if you could imagine, imagine for a moment, everything inside of him wanted to lash out, but he understood what Paul said in Romans, that not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to agape you. I'm going to cover you. He said, I'm, I'm going to give your church a grant of 50000 for the next two years. Each year, 50000 And I'm going to pay your salary full for two years. How many of you guys know he did not feel like doing that? But can I tell you, as he covered that offense, didn't take away from consequences or ramifications, but as, as he covered and extended that mercy, and that grace and that goodness, that man, not too long after that, came and repented and apologized because love has a way of covering in a way that nothing else can. Now you say, well, what, what does that mean? Does, does love just kind of live in denial and kind of hide? Absolutely not. In fact, if you're taking notes, jot this down. That agape, agape love covers sin but doesn't hide it. Come on, you know we try to hide from God like that. 
Oh, you can't see me. Hey, but isn't it true, though, when we hear that love covers a multitude of sins, a lot of times the way even a lot of us operate is we just, we, we live in denial that there's a real issue. Or we try to cover and sweep things under the rug because we want to save face. Oh, we're just covering sins. No, 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 no. Maybe I can say it this way. That agape, agape covers sin but doesn't hide from truth. Because agape is not trying to live uh, in, in a way that's covering sin and living in denial and allowing it to continue. Agape lives in such a way that wants to see that sin removed. Point in case. So all after service on Sunday, this, ha- this has happened on several occasions. I probably, after second service, I've talked to maybe a couple dozen people that day. Well, on multiple occasions, I've either had something on my shirt the whole time, a big old, like, ball of lint, something in my nose, or some jelly on my face. <laughs> and it blows my mind. Here we are, second service, and, and all day, no one bothered to tell me. <laughs> nope. Hi, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Matt, and, and conversation after conversation, and finally somebody that loves me, agapes me, say, hey, Pastor Matt, uh, you might want to get some Kleenex. Like, let me get this ball of lint off of your shoulder. How many of you guys know that I feel so loved and covered by that person? Not because they didn't tell me, but because they removed what wasn't good for me. So all you guys who know, you know who you are. You know who you are. You left me hanging. Man. See, love has this, this ability. Love has this power that, that it can actually make sin look futile and unattractive. Because when love is seen and in, in it's, in it's, when it's really authentic, when it's really real, when it's really agape, it's so attracted, it, it makes sin look unattractive. And see, agape doesn't want to cover to hide. Agape wants to cover to get rid of. It wants to cover a multitude of sins. Let me, let me show you how this kind of plays out. So when somebody is looking into our church, because this is the kind of church that we are. We're an agape church. That as, as people walk past and, and they, they look at how we live our life, they look at the forgiveness and the grace that we extend towards one another. They look how, yeah, we might have been offended or we might have disagreed on some things, but, but we're able to reconcile and come together. We don't stab each other. We don't, we don't throw each other under the bus. Then we're a church that chooses grace over gossip. Yeah. That would say, man, it's so much more. So, imagine this. You know, I, I was just trying to cover you. You know, I didn't want to hurt you. So I talked to about 20 other people. <laughs> but I just didn't want to offend you because I was trying to cover, you know. No, man. That's not covering. You know, gossip is all about self. The reason why you won't go to that person is because you're afraid. Matthew 18 says if you have a problem with somebody, one of the best way to cover them is to come alongside them and say, hey, let's have a conversation. Man, let's just, let's just talk. Let, let's, let's have a conversation. I'm not going to talk to 20 people because I'm for you. And I don't want to expose you. I want to cover you. And if there's something in your life that's unhealthy, if there's something in your life that, that's not God's best for you, I want to be that guy or I want to be that, that lady that will come alongside you and say, no, we're not going to expose you. But i got to be honest with you. And i got, I, I got to tell you, this is not healthy for you, but I want to walk with you. I'm going to be standing right side by side with you, and we're going to walk through this. And guess what? Man, no one's going to even. It's, it's just. It's. 
There's going to be healing. That's the kind of church that we are. So, so when the world looks out and sees how we treat our kids, when the world looks and sees how generous we are towards one another and now how, what type of community we are, just like in the book of Acts, I mean, they gave of everything that they had um, because, and, and nobody, went with, nobody went without because there was just a generosity that says, I got you covered. I got you covered. And the world sees that. They get both disturbed and drawn. Draw, they, 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 they get drawn in, but they also get disturbed because they don't understand. It's like, what in the world is happening? I'm looking at my life, and I'm looking at this, and it's like, I want this. I want this. I don't understand it, but, but that's what I want. It's so attractive when agape is in operation. And can I tell you that in these last days, it's going to be so rare. It's going to be like a miracle. People are going to look and say, what is that? Are you, are you serious? Is this real? It's agape. It's agape. There, uh, Jim Cimbala, one of my one of my favorite pastors, he tells a story about a man, and I've told the story before, but I've recently heard the story from the man's point of view. It was on an Easter Sunday, and this man was walking uh, down the street. They they pastor in Brooklyn, and and he looked inside of the church, and he heard this 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 roar of singing. And he peeked in, and he saw how the people were loving one another, and he was so drawn in by that. Now, this time he was drunk. He'd been in the street for a few years. He smelled like urine, feces, just, just a mess, and was considering, should I even step foot in this church? So he did. And he sat up in the balcony in the third row, far away from everybody. And at the end of service, he made his way down to Jim Cimbala, and he'd already done, he preached about four services. And a lot of times, people just come in asking for money. And so Jim, in his mind, said, oh, great, here we go. Service is over. Somebody wants some money. So the guy comes down. Jim's reaching in his pocket to pull out a $10 bill. And, uh, and he goes to hand it to the gentleman. And the, and the gentleman said, sir, I, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus you're talking about. And, and, and in that moment, he said, Pastor Jim said, the stench and the smell from this man was so bad, he had to turn his head and talk to him like this. And it was in that moment that Pastor Jim repented. He said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I just judged this man, and this man wants you. Please forgive me. And he said that physically, that scent became a sweet aroma in his nose. And the voice of the Lord said, until this stench becomes like a sweet aroma, you're of no use for my kingdom, Jim. And, and so he opened up his arms, and this is, the most, this is the most beautiful part. And the man just leans in to his chest. And Jim wraps his arms around him. And that man said, I felt for the first time a love that I have never encountered. And can I just tell you that that love that day didn't excuse his sin, didn't deny his sin, didn't uh, make uh, you know, room for his sin. That, that day, that, that love covered his sin, and that man turned from his sin, and now he's an associate pastor at that church. It covers. Love covers. It doesn't hide, but it covers. And lastly, lastly, and Jeff, you could come up for me. Lastly is this. Agape covers by transformation, not trying. You know, Paul the Apostle, I, I love him, and he speaks in regards to this agape love on what it really looks like practically. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a very famous passage. Some of you guys might have had it at your wedding, those of you guys who are married, but look what he says. He says this. <coughs> he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is 
It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, right? It's awesome. But you know, when I read, when I, I've even taught it like this, and it's probably not even wrong to, to teach it to this, to a certain degree. But I used to think it was like, all right, guys, we got our list. The world needs Jesus. Let's go agape. Let's go try to be a little bit more patient and kind of go down the list. Let's just kind of try harder. And how many of you guys know, even as I'm reading this and you're looking at it, you, some of you are already exhausted, like, oh, man. Like you're on patient and you're like, I'm struggling. I got a long way to go. But Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't saying, hey, here's a list so you can go and try harder. Paul is confronting us with agape. He's saying agape, it always protects. Do you always protect? Always trust. Do you always trust? Always hopes. Do you always hope? Always perseveres. Love never fails. How many of you guys know? I don't know about you, but, but my love fails at times. When I don't get what I want, when things don't go my way, it's easy for my love to fail. Paul was saying exactly. None of us always do this. See, he's trying to confront us with agape because one of the things that the Lord loves to do is to tell us to do stuff that we can only do with him. Because Paul isn't pointing us to try harder. Paul is pointing us to a vivid reality that could you imagine a love that always protects, that always trusts, that always hopes, that always perseveres, a love that never fails? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the love that God has called us to. Could you imagine a love like that? Most of us, it's really hard to fathom. But Paul is saying that is the amount of transformation that God wants to do on the inside of your heart and on my heart that we love in a way that's unimaginable. But it doesn't come by trying harder. All right, I'm gonna try to be a little bit more patient. It comes with walking with God. It comes with inviting him to transform every area of your heart. Your, listen, you will only be able to love people as deep as you've experienced God's love and transformation for you. And this isn't something that's like a one-time deal. This is a daily walk with Jesus. You will not walk in agape if you do not walk with God. Last verse is this. John, he writes in regards to agape. He says, dear friends, let us agape one another. I just changed the word from love to agape. For agape comes from God. Everyone who agape has been born of God. See, it's not something that's not... We don't try to agape, We're, it's something that's born, it's something that's birthed. We're transformed more and more to the image of the Son, Paul tells us in Corinthians. He said, and this person that's been born of God knows God, walks with God. See, whoever does not agape does not know God because God is agape. This is how God showed his agape among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might have life through him. Continue. This agape, not that we agape God that God, he agape us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God has so agape us, we also ought to agape one another. God wants the transformation in our hearts 
to be so deep, to be so real, that we live with a love that never fails. Could you imagine as a church if we lived with that kind of love? Ladies and gentlemen, we would change the world. So I leave you with this question, is this, where do you need to be covered by God? And where is God calling you to cover others?